Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse, and I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, an ancient map of Fairyland, newly discovered and set forth by Bernard Slay. I I assume that's how you pronounce his name. It looks just like a regular Slay, <laughs> S L E I G H. Um, who's a man I'd never heard of until I came upon an ancient map of Fairyland. Um, I was not suggesting we do a show on it. I was just saying, Eric, amazing, look at this. And then you suggested we do a show on it. Um, Or I I think you thought I was suggesting we do a show on it. And so we're doing a show on a map. How do you read a map is one of the questions you had for us. Um, I'm... Not sure exactly the answer to that, but I'm hoping to explore uh, the answer with you today. I look forward to it. I I like maps a lot. And as you know, I've just finished the draft of a book on visual aspects of language. So to me, this is this is meat. I love it. And this is a great map to, Amazing to think map. about. Amazing. Um, All the- you. You stumbled on it first and then shared it with me. Uh, why did you share it, Jesse? What was there about this map that made it seem like the kind of thing you would like to offer a friend? Oh, well, um, it's just it's delightfully interesting to to cast your eyes about. You, you, everybody who's listening should go download a copy and it'll be on our website. Um just you know, any anywhere you pick on the map, there are words and pictures describing what you're seeing, and then you you cast your eyes north or south or east or west, and you see more amazing things. Um, it's just it's it's just a treasure of of uh, I guess it's a combination of literature and um, mythology combined, but especially literature. So if if we go to the um is that the legend where where you have the uh, the the compass? Is that what they call that? No, I don't think that's the legend. Yes. Uh, you mean on there's there is a legend uh there's actually a legend on the right. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking the top left. What's that yeah. thing called? That's that's called the compass. Okay, okay. And the compass, we've got a couple of fairies, and then the four cardinal directions. Um, but th- if you look at them closely, it doesn't say north, south, east, and west as much as it says north of nowhere, south of Sirius, west of the moon, east of the sun. And for some reason, east and west are reversed. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, which brings all sorts of things to mind, and then underneath that we have the uh, sigil, uh, I guess, or banner, or what's this of Oberon, Oberon's shield, who mm-hmm. is, uh, as far as I know, he's the king of Fairyland, so that makes sense. And then we've got a scale, which is scale of thought, <laughs> which yeah. is amazing, um, and and then some runic writing or <laughs> fairyland writing and and just the, just even behind that there's m- tiny little details in a starscape and 
it's it's an absolute treasure. That's why I shared it with you. And I I just thought, oh my god, he's going to love this. I, I do, and I do. There's no doubt. If you take a look at the uh, the fairies who embrace the compass mm-hmm. on the left, um, I, I, you printed this out. You told yep. me, and, and I, and I <laughs> it's it's actually almost six feet wide and about a foot and a half tall uh, but I've, I'm looking at it on my monitor which is over two feet wide and I'm using the Library of Congress scan of it which is incredibly high quality mm-hmm. and allows me to to look in even more closely than one could with, with an actual life size yep. Uh, reproduction. The, the the quality and intricacy of the work is extraordinary. In this blow up that I'm looking at, the two fairies at the top who are embracing the the compass have two quite different faces. Mm-hmm. The one, I mean, they look like siblings in the same way that the uh, classic masks of tragedy and comedy, <clears throat> excuse me, look like siblings. But, but the difference in the 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 mouth and the the anger in those faces of the classic masks is is what makes them important. And here I would point out that the first fairy one encounters, if one reads from left to right, mm-hmm. has sort of evil arched eyebrows. They're pointy up as if it were a devil and sort of a nasty mouth, a sort of a, a sneer at the world below. Uh, whereas the one on the right, who seems to be more feminine, certainly by the, mm-hmm. the way the, the, the backsides are, are drawn in, sil- in, uh, uh, in sideways, um, the side view of the, of the buttocks, uh, is sort of a, a pleasant female. Uh, not necessarily adoring the way uh, one might expect a romantic female to be, uh, but is pleased by what she sees as opposed to sneering at what she sees. Both of these fairies, by the way, are standing on the heads of the backs of the heads of two male characters who may also be fairies. Yeah, they they have wings, but it's sad. Yes, but they are wearing the kinds of hats one would expect from dunces. And then below them, their knees are bent, and we see that they are on uh, what probably, um, well, we can't tell. We, we don't know what goes below them. They look like girls, mm-hmm. but um, they could also be mermaids if we take mm-hmm. what is under the, the banner with strange calligraphy on it to be their, their bottom. So we go from the air to the earth to the sea. These fairies uh, always have two different sets of expressions, and they are giving us um, the three realms that the the so-called mm. map represents. But you know, it's interesting to call this a map at all. Um, yeah, it's not the, set at the right angle for a map. It's not top <laughs> down. It's it's isometric. Well, you know, there are things like tourist maps that we we see these days mm-hmm. uh, that are produced, say, for visitors to uh, historic parts of major cities. And you'll see a sort of this this 
view, this angle of view that lets us see miniature versions of the more famous buildings. So, you know, you can look at a map of, of London and you'll see the eye and you'll see the big pickle and you'll see the palace and so on. You'll see the, uh, the famous bridges on the Thames and the tower. You're not looking straight down at them. And of course, looking sideways at them does no good. So you're looking like at a 30 degree angle. Um, and that's sort of what we have here. But when you see those tourist maps, you get a lot of streets. Mm -hmm. They're meant to take you from one place to the other. You can walk and then look up and see the landmark. Here, there are very, very few streets. You've got bridges and things, Mm -hmm. some paths. But one might call this a picture rather than a map, (laughs) except for the fact that it has words written on it. Um, And that, that strikes me as important. There's a book by a fellow named uh, Dennis Wood called The Power of Maps in which he makes explicit something that I think we all realize, and that is, which is we all, we all know whether or not we realize it consciously, is that a map always represents the interests of the organization that publishes the map. Sure. Right? So, you know, the the Automobile Association publishes maps – and they have streets on them, mm-hmm. and Michelin publishes maps, and they have streets on them, and restaurants and garages for the repair of your vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go hiking, you buy topographical maps, and they show you elevations. So how hard is it going to be to go up and downhill? Mm-hmm. Whereas driving up and downhill is irrelevant when you're in a car. You get a map of the United States and go from east to west, and you'd never know that it's harder to go over the Rockies than it is to go across the Great Plains. Mm -hmm. So the question then is, what were the interests (laughs) behind this map? And to go back to that, that, uh, the compass uh, on the left, where it gives the scale, which normally would be part of the legend, um, the scale is how many thoughts per, <laughs> per inch? Yes, yeah. 500 thoughts per inch. Um, this is actually discuss, discussed somewhat. When this was published, as I'm sure you know, it was it ha- included with it was a 16-page booklet that explains it. Mm-hmm. And it says right there that, you know, the scale is thought rather than distance. Because this is a map of a realm meant for the faithful. And I love that idea because normally the word faithful uh, means, if we talk about you and me, say, um, whether or not you can trust me and I can trust you. Or if we're talking more broadly socially, it means a certain kind of religious attitude. Mm-hmm. And the the key to that religious attitude, uh, as the story of Doubting Thomas makes clear, is that the faithful see that which cannot be seen. Anyone can tell that that Jesus was wounded and is living by sticking fingers in, in the wound. But to know that this is true and to see it without seeing it with your eyes, ah, 
That's faith. So according to the 16-page pamphlet that comes with this, what we're seeing here, like the patients of the cross, are yeah. versions of what we would see if we had faith. Faith, then, it's in what? It's in spirit land. Well, I, I don't need faith when I have concrete proof of its of its uh, dimensions, well, right? This well, is... you don't have proof. You only have the map. And that's, that's part of the point, I think. I'll make one small point about this connection between religious faith and faith in fairyland and then, then cede the floor to you. If you take a look, as you have, at the map as a whole, we have the scale of thoughts on the left. We have the, the legend giving us the, uh, the key to you know, what the different features are on the right. And at the top, between these two, at the top, we have a double rainbow. Mm-hmm. And this rainbow is equally the covenant that we get after uh, the flood and the connection between Valhalla and the rest of the world. Um, we know that because it says right there under the rainbow, uh, here is Valhalla and Asgard, or as people who don't read Norse pronounce it, Asgard. Um, so we've got two rainbows. What this map is trying to do is conflate different varieties of faith and give them a pictorial representation as if they were real mm-hmm. because the faithful they are. That, that, that picture of Valhalla and Asgard sits directly over the Sea of Dreams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love I love that at the center of the map at the top, and we get the horizon, which is pretty funny because <laughs> means it's like a planet or something. Um, is the moon and not the sun, and that is the the thing that's bringing light to the map. I note um, on on the version of the map that I'm holding, as well as the one that's on the. Um, uh, Library of Con- Congress website. The left side of the map is much darker than the right side of the map. Um, and that is interesting to me. I think it might be psychologically darker. Um, we've got a lot, a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, nursery rhyme characters on the right hand side. And we've got a lot more, um, I think it gets sort of, um, m- scarier. We've got witches and dragons on the left-hand side. And yet, it's not a, uh, you know, the left is, is the, the scary part, and the right is the, I, or <laughs> I guess if we're going with the, with the legend, um, the, the east being on the left is the <laughs> scary part, and the, on the far right is, oh, I, or maybe sinister. <laughs> um, and uh, Dexter, but we've got a wall separating them, um, although it's it's not equally divi- divi- uh, divided. The left hand side of the map has a sort of more mountainous area, and the right hand side has more of a. Um, there is a, a central mountain, but it's a lot more livable, and. In that center is the moon, and if we zoom in on the moon, at the very top there's a little caption that says, 
here is the moon's sphere and her enchanted rainbows. And there's a very archaic style of old-timey spelling with lots of extra E's for no reason, um, which is wonderful. And if you zoom in even closer, you can see here is the moon's warden. And he's got a, he's got like a, a broom and he's sweeping. And then here is Mrs. Moon. Here Miss, Mrs. Moon polisheth the lamps. And then there's a, a can of starshine, <laughs> um, which must be the product that she uses to polish things up. Um, and on the left-hand side of the moon, uh, beneath the windows, which <laughs> are near the door, uh, stars repaired here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of whimsy that has been added. Um, I, 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 as far as I can tell, uh, from Bernard Slay's own imagination. But then, as you said, here is Valhalla and Asgard. Um, and if we follow the rainbow across the Sea of Dreams, which uh, overarches the moon, it leads from Peter's pa- Peter Pan's house to here do. Sidhi make the water of life. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing Sidhi right. Um, and we've got leprechauns and uh, the Kelpie Bay, <laughs> Oberon's Palace, Nixies and water sprites. And uh, on the right hand, um, we've got the legend detailing where the fairy um, or the uh, dwarfen treasure is. Is it dwarf? Ah, uh, let's see. A wishing well, dwarf's t- treasure, an elfin temple, a fairy shrine, a village inn. It's uh, it's so dense with with images and and from Greek mythology to Northern European mythology and just household nursery rhymes from who knows when and, and Victorian. Uh works that where we know the author. Right. They're not right. mythological at all. I mean, we've got Kingsley's Water Babies. Right. You know. And, and, and Peter Pan for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know the author. We know there was no Peter Pan before J.M. <laughs> Barry. Well, they're just tapping into right? But it, it almost does make sense the way it's organized. So, you know, Humpty Dumpty is, is on the wall and Goose... Goosey Goose Gander is right beside, and Cock Robin's grave. <laughs> There's actually a lot of graves and like uh, characters who are dead. Um, so it's almost like this is in a particular time. Uh, King Arthur's on here somewhere. Um, well, Avalon is there on yeah. the right. It's a variety of Camelot, and uh, I believe somewhere on this map um, near near there, Merlin is alive. But Guinevere and and Arthur are dead on Avalon. Yes, but and Excalibur is back in the stone. Right. So it's uh, it's really interesting to think about uh, about wh- if if we're visiting it, we, we've got the scale of thought, but the scale of how does time work here? The question of Making uh, making a narrative out of a planner projection requires a commitment to a particular path. 
right? So to go beginning, middle, end, and when you're looking at a map, you've got to decide whether you're going from New York to San Francisco or San Francisco to New York. The There's a, a very good book by um, Frank Kermode called The Sense of an Ending, in which he makes an argument about the nature of time and how we project this understanding when when we get to the end of a story. Um, there is history. History has a beginning and it has an end. That is uh, the history, my history, um, in one way could be said to begin with the day of my birth and it will end with the day of my death. And if I have a tombstone, it'll have those two dates on it. And so my life's journey is between the beginning and the end. History goes like that. So things happen. They have effects. They become those effects become the causes for what comes next. Beginning and end, which means we know where the middle goes. Myth is a time that has no beginning and no end. Right. St. Jerome says. Christ dies for us daily. Jesus is always being born, and he is always dying, and he is always rising. The time of myth is timeless. And Commode argues that in between these two ontologically different kinds of time, there is another kind that has a beginning, but then has no end, which he calls the avum which is just the Latin word from which we, in fact, get the English word era. Um, the avum, A-E-V-U-M, is the kind of time that you get when something is known to begin, but then it carries on forever. Like Frankenstein, like Peter Pan, right? We know where these things begin, but then they become part of the mythic inheritance uh, that we use to construct our universe. They have no ends. And what I think we're getting on this map are things that exist in the Avum. These are things that we can point to. And some of them we don't, you know, we can't say, oh, well, this is where the first um, naiad comes from, or this is where the first um, uh Elf comes from, but most of them we can actually tell. I mean, we see here, for example, under Avalon, we see a forest, and in that forest there is Merlin. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look historically at the development of the King Arthur material, there there is before that first occurs, um, somewhere around the. 12th, 13th century, there already is the old man of the wood. And that old man of the wood is material that gets melded into certain other materials to eventually form the material that is the the Merlins, uh, the, the King Arthur stories, uh, which is unique to the British Isles. Um, so Slay has Merlin in his forest. That's where he begins. Um, we have Narcissus looking into nearby him, looking into a, a lake. Presumably, it has at his uh, reflection. And uh, of course, Ovid wasn't saying this first; it already existed. But this is all coming 
from places that began and then go on forever. So how do we make a story out of reading this map? And I think you hit something crucial when you pointed out that East and West, as we would normally expect them in 1917 or 20 or whenever this was first done, um, are reversed. Mm-hmm. They go a different way than we come to know them. I should point out, and I'm sure that Slay knew this, that um, in the pre-modern era, if, if you look at medieval maps, um, they are typically oriented with the east on the north, excuse me, on the top, rather than the east on the right. Hmm. Because they are intended to go aspirationally toward Jerusalem. Right. So medieval European maps. It's to actually, orient you. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Exactly. We're discovering so all was, sorts of things here. So I, so I think what Slay is doing here is giving pictures. He is representing things that have already been presented to us and showing us that they all exist in an understandable relationship to each other, although the relationship um, is one we have to construct, as you have, for example, by pointing out that the left part of the map is darker, and we know that that's not a printing error since we see all the stars in the sky mm-hmm. above the left-hand uh, third. And if you look at the right hand, um, it, we have what may be the northern lights shimmering mm. uh, down there. Um, and that is sort of dawnish. And then in between is the full day. And in the full day, we have those twin covenants. So we could say we're going from the right to the left, from east to west, as day goes to night. Mm. Or we, right, because we, we don't go from night right to full day. Um, and yet the map turns them the other way. I mean, the legend, the, the, the compass turns them the other way around because they all coexist. This is not a story of myth. It is a story that has become myth. Mm. It's, it's the Avum. And so, I guess what I would say is to, to, to read this as a story, I would start anywhere, <laughs> a- anywhere, and then follow the pictures as they attract my eye. So, for example, we go to Narcissus. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, you found him sort of in the middle, yep. um, just to the right, of the, the, right, the left edge of the, the right, right beside hand. a wishing well. Exactly, right beside a wishing well. And if you go a little bit to the left, you get to Red Riding Hood's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, clearly Red's, Red Riding Hood's house is not the same thing architecturally. Uh, we don't even know, by the way, if it's the, her own house, that is to say her mother's or her grandmother's. Mm. Red Riding Hood doesn't have a house. But since she's setting out with a basket, I'm guessing she's leaving her mother's house. Mm-hmm. But she's going away from the wood, not toward the wood. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Maybe she's headed to the werewolves on the far east. <laughs> Maybe so. She's certainly going by Little Boy Blue. Yes. By Jack's house. So what we could say is, following this line from right to left and not left to right, as one would in English, um, going from right to left, we have children. We have children. Tom Piper's home, Miss Moffat's house, 
And then it takes us up to Miss, to Mother Hubbard. And as we keep going, right, we've got Little Bo Peep, Tom Thumb, right, Jack Horner. Just right across this line, we've got all these little kids. And suddenly, Humpty Dumpty is seen as a child. He's not the adult we saw in, in uh, Lewis Carroll. He is, in fact, some foolish little kid silly enough to sit on this wall, which, as you point out, more or less divides the entire kingdom of fairyland. Mm-hmm. So when we get on the other side, we are full of adults. Right? We have all kinds of things. Some of those adults are not even human, dwarves and so on. We still have a few, Hansel and Gretel, but, but we've got, instead of Rapunzel being pictured clearly, we've got the witch being pictured clearly. This is a, uh, this is a map that invites us to explore and make one story after another. I... Do you like it? Oh. <laughs> That's, like is too weak. Um, I, I love it. Uh, I I think this is wonderful. It's why I printed it out. I want to make a color. I, I printed it in black and white. I want to make a, a color one and put it up everywhere. <laughs> I, I in fact I uh, there. This is not the first map of this kind that I've discovered. It's the third. Um, the first one I discovered um, is by a friend of mine now on Twitter at least, uh, Jason Thompson, who did a map of Lovecraft's Dreamlands. Which is so astonishingly similar, and yet I don't. I'm pretty sure he he'd never heard of Vernon Sleigh or this map. It has the moon at the bottom. It has two dimensions: um, the land of dream on the on the top left hand co- side. On the right, it's got the pool of night, and it's got all sorts of uh, of cities and and uh, places mentioned in Lovecraft's dreams dreamland stories. Um, and what's so interesting is this is not even the first map of the Dreamlands either. There's one by um, a pretty famous early 20th century artist. Um, I've got it right here somewhere. Let's see. Uh, Sidney Syme, um, who did a lot of Lord Dunsany um, uh, illustrations. And it has a compass as well. It, uh, it's it, I, The version I'm seeing is on the back of a of a reprint of uh, Sidney Syme illustrations. So it's quite small, and I'd like to get a real copy. But it has, at the top, wake is the north direction, south is dream, sleep is in the west, nightmare in the east. And it has uh, rivers flowing into the stars and uh, giant holes going into the earth that says, do not walk here. Uh, to bad man's land, Ultima Thule. Um, so mapping that which is unwalkable to, but which is a place where we really do inhabit with our our reading and our our storytelling, is not unique to Slay or Syme or Thompson. It's I think it's what everybody does when we really get into it. We think about these things and try to make them fit together. And I, I just love that this has been going on for so long. And, and, and when you uncover a map like this, 
a map to a. I, I love how the Library of Congress tried to categorize it, right? Because right. some poor librarian has to figure out how to categorize this. We can't just say uh, another map of Michigan, right? It has to be a place, right? And so, um, a fantasy map, a map of dreamlands, right? How do you? How do you? Uh, uh, places that don't exist. I would point out. Oh, sorry, no, I didn't. I, I'm done. Well, something going on in this map. When we talk about interests. What's the interest of the of the map maker or the society or the institution that promulgates this map? The interest here has a lot in common with the interest of Gothic cathedrals. They 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 follow what's called in art history a principle of plenitude. There's every little bit and piece where you look at it, something else exists. Now, that principle of plenitude is common in a certain kind of uh, printed material for children. For example, in Where's Waldo? Right, in I was just thinking. America, or where, Where's Wallace in the original in England? The thing about those uh, plena, those plural of plenum, the, the thing about those pictures that are infused with the principle of plenitude and give you a sense of life and vitality and it could go on forever, is that when you find Waldo or Wallace, your search is over. Mm. But not with this map. Right. Everywhere is Waldo. Exactly. You find one thing and it wants to lead you to another. So this has a very different story. The story that this tells is the story of our own discovery based on our own faith. And so this map gives us a story that we collaborate in making. The 16-page pamphlet that comes with it includes a bibliography. So that if, you know, we, you and I recognize Peter Pan, but we may not recognize all of the names that are here, but the bibliography will tell us where, and we can then use this map as a jumping off point for yet more reading to go into yet other worlds. Mm. For which this, in fact, has been a map to lead us to discovery, because in those books we find there is always more to say. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. Thank you.